Good morning, Rock Harbor. It's a beautiful day. It's good to see you. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you who are joining us live stream. Let's pray. Father, today is a good day to turn things around. If there's anything, Lord, that we just need to give to you, I pray that we would give it to you this morning, right now. And Father, I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name even now to fill your church, to fill your people. Lord, we come to you this morning, and we just want to bring everything to you. We don't want to leave anything behind. And so we offer our hearts to you today, and we ask that you would give us ears to hear the voice of our shepherd speaking to us. We ask that you would give us eyes to see, that we can see everything you want to reveal to us. But above all, Lord, I pray for hearts that are willing to receive all of this, to follow after you with everything we have, that you may be glorified and that your church may be built up, strengthened and encouraged. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Normally I release the youth second, but I'm going to release the band. The band is free to go. Well, let me ask you something. Are you living lives of abundance? Lives of abundance. You know, it's funny, I've been kind of reflecting on that over this past week, asking myself, what does that really mean? Lives of abundance. I don't mean having more things. Goodness knows we have enough things. We need to build more storage spaces for our things. No, when I talk about abundance, I'm talking about having that deeper sense of God in your life every single day. Where every moment of every day, you have a greater sense of the Spirit in your life, filling you, strengthening you, guiding you, encouraging you, correcting you. Do you have that kind of abundance in your life? You know, for the longest time, even as a Christian, I thought I had an understanding of what abundance was. But the truth is, I didn't. It wasn't until I came to a deeper understanding of my need for more of God in my life, more of the Spirit in my life, that I have a deeper sense of abundance. I want you to remember, do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10? He said, the thief that's our enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give what? He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life. Did you know that Jesus wants you to have abundant life? How can we have that abundant life? Let's talk about that this morning. I'm so glad you asked. Let's jump into that. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 5 through 17. Let's talk about abundant life through the Holy Spirit this morning. And in the process, hopefully, begin to have a renewal happen in our spirits. A sense of renewal, a refreshing of our spirits by the Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 17. Let's read this together. For those who live according to the flesh 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors. That is, we have an obligation. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also, that we may also be glorified with him. All these passages talk so very much about the process of what it means to go through spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal. What Paul, in these verses, we see Paul outline the process of spiritual renewal. And what is that process? It is living in the Holy Spirit. It is life in the Holy Spirit. We see in these verses that Paul basically separates people into two categories. Can you guess what those categories are? Those who live in the flesh, those who live in the flesh, and those who live in the spirit. All right? Now, why does Paul do this? Why this bifurcation, this those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the spirit? Because Paul's trying to make a point. He's making this very simple but powerful and important point. That point is this. Those who live by the flesh will end up in spiritual death. Living by the flesh results in death. But living by the Spirit results in life and peace. Life and peace. All right? And so, living by, if living by the flesh means death, but living by the Spirit is life and peace, then what is it that we choose? Hopefully it's life and peace. And we see here that there are four gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Four wonderful and tremendous gifts for those who find themselves in Christ. When we respond with faith to God's gracious gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit frees us to serve God and gives us these four amazing gifts that I want to spend the bulk of our time on this morning. All right? Four gifts. The first gift that the Holy Spirit gives us is a new mindset. A new mindset. Look with me at verses 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. 
All right, look for that phrase here throughout these verses. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The first gift we see that the Holy Spirit gives us is a new mindset. Now, what is a mindset? A mindset is a pattern of thinking or living, all right? It's a, it's a pattern of thinking that tends to incline itself in either one direction or another. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself in a position where you just wonder, why do I constantly go there in these particular situations? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why do I constantly go there? That, that maybe if you're confronted with something, you immediately go to the mindset that you're going to defend yourself. Has anybody ever done that? You know, that you get defensive. And they're like, whoa, 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 no need to get so defensive. I'm just kind of pointing something out. A mindset is an inclination where we tend to go to a direction one way or another. Have you ever met somebody who is just, I mean, they are like focused. They get focused. You know, and it's all, all they can think of is this one thing. That's it. They constantly go to this one thing. Anybody, anytime you've dealt with someone who has an addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where their mindset is constantly inclined to go in this direction. The Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset. Look, we see this. The fact is this, (laughs) you know, The fact is this, that our feet will follow where our mind is going. All right? Our feet will follow where our mind is going. I want you to understand something. It all starts here in the mind. That's where it starts. It all starts with our pattern of thinking. It all starts with those things that are ingrained within us. And the Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset so we can focus on the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit. Look, the first thing we need to recognize is that the mind set on the flesh, the mind set on the flesh is what? It is hostile toward God. It ignores God's law. It will not submit to God. And ultimately, it leads to to death. I'm going to read to you something in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. Now, you have verse 14 there. Verse 14 is the key verse in this. But I want to read verses 10 through 16 just to kind of give us some context in this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16 says this, For these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him foolishness. Have you ever tried to explain spiritual things to somebody who is not a Christian, who does not have the Spirit? 
You ever tried to do that? All right? And they look at you like you're just... All right? You're just out there. Because what you're trying to impart to them is spiritual, and they don't have the spirit. And so to them, it sounds like foolishness. Be like me sitting next to a physicist, and he starts explaining to me, you know, quarks and all kinds of other things, and I'm sitting there going, what? What's this guy talking about? Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And to non-spiritual, to people who do not have the Spirit of God, they just sometimes sound like foolishness. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? Why is this so important? Why is it so important to recognize the mindset on the flesh leads to death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace? Have you ever, this is, I recognize how this is important, especially for me in this sense. In the sense that when I found myself spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, digging into my relationship with God, I found that my mind, instead of going to carnal things, would often go more to spiritual things. And so sometimes, if I'm out there and I see certain things, if I see certain billboards, if my mind is in the flesh, that billboard will take me right to the things of the flesh. Because my mind is not set on the things of God. It starts with the mind. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And what are we talking about with life and peace? This idea of life is not just spiritual life, but it's a wholeness of life that we can have right now. We're not talking just about spiritual life, eternity with God. Certainly that is part of it. But we're talking about a wholeness of life that you can experience right now, a fullness of life. That a fullness of life that involves the peace of God. This idea of peace is communicated so well in the, uh, in the Old Testament term of shalom. You know what shalom is? Right? Shalom. As a matter of fact, if you ever go to Israel, that's how you're greeted. Shalom. And if it's on Friday, it's Shabbat shalom. But shalom is this, it, in, interpreted, it is peace. But it goes deeper than that. The peace that Shalom conveys is this is not just an absence of conflict. It's a wholeness, a completeness, a sense where everything is woven together as it should be. Is that the kind of peace you want to have? I know that's the kind of peace I want to have. I don't want to live in a place where it's just absence of conflict, but I want to live in a time and a place where there's a sense of relational understanding and love between people. Look, you can have two armies, and they can agree to a ceasefire, right? And in that ceasefire, you can have peace, but they don't have real peace in the sense that they only have peace because there's an absence of conflict between the two. The kind of peace that God wants us to have is not just an absence of conflict. He wants us to have a peace that brings a sense of wholeness in our lives. That we resent God in our lives and in our everyday affairs and it makes our life more rich and full in ways that nothing else can bring us. Nothing you buy, nothing you own, nothing else 
can bring that sense of wholeness and completeness and peace and joy and life that God brings into our lives. Have you ever had moments like that? I, you know, ever since my kids have left the house, you know, I have more moments like that, especially when everybody's home and the whole family is there and we're not arguing about things. But we're just there and we're just everyday affairs, you know, I'm in the kitchen cooking and the, and the kids are not helping. And, um, but, but everybody's home and, and for a moment, sometimes you just stand back and you look and you go, God, this is so good. Why can't this last? God wants us to have that kind of peace and life. That is what life in the spirit is meant to be. But life set on the flesh, it's hostile to that. It's constantly craving for itself, constantly seeking to fill something that can never be filled except by the Spirit of God. And this is the gift the Holy Spirit gives us. He gives us a new mindset because this is where it starts. The second thing we see the Holy Spirit gives us is the Holy Spirit gives us a new spiritual life. A new spiritual life. Look at verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit that dwells in you. We have been given the mind of Christ. Remember, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For we understand... But we have the mind of Christ, and we have been given the mind of Christ. Why? So that we may be able to better reflect his character, his values, and his perspective. We have been given a whole new spiritual life. A whole new spiritual life. So that we can see the world different. So that we can have a new perspective. So that we can have God's values expressed in our life and so that we have a deeper understanding of what this life is about that and where we're supposed to be going god has I'm having a hard time conveying this in words but god has so much for us i like what it says here in second corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 so we do not lose heart has anyone here lost heart? So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. For we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God has given us a whole new spiritual life. He wants us to grab onto that. You know, I remember this story Steve Deneff tells in his book Soul Shift. <clears throat> he says, one time my dad wanted to congratulate me on something I'd accomplished in the sixth grade. He took me to Kmart. Anybody remember Kmart? I remember Kmart. He took me to Kmart and made a wide sweeping gesture with his hand toward the whole store from the entrance, and he said to me, to congratulate you, I'll buy you anything in this whole store tonight. 
My eyes widened as I thought of the possibilities. But at the time, I was only in sixth grade. I didn't have a full grasp on how money worked and how much money my dad had, so I kind of limited the things in my mind. I didn't even look at the huge stereo systems, expensive bikes, or anything that cost more than 100 bucks. Instead, I chose a cassette tape case that was less than $50. I was content with that case. It was more than I could afford for myself, for sure. So I chose that one. It was nice, and many, only many years later did I find out from my dad that he had over $1,000 in his pocket that night. What's more, he brought his checkbook just in case that wasn't enough. <laughs> in my selection, I had limited his blessing in my life. Imagine how much God has in his pocket for you. You don't ask God for all the spiritual power you could because you forget that you are his child. Like me and my earthly father, you don't realize all he could do for you and in you and through you. God has given us a whole new spiritual life. Do you ask him for that? Do you ask him for that power? Do you seek after that? The Holy Spirit has given us this gift of a whole new spiritual life so that we can better reflect his character, his purposes, his values. The third gift we see that the Spirit gives us is he gives us a new purpose. He gives us a new purpose. The Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset. He gives us a new spiritual life, but he also gives us a new purpose. Verses 12 through 13, So then, brothers, we are debtors. We have an obligation. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you put, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We have been given a new purpose. We have the power to live victorious Christian lives through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given us the power to live victorious Christian lives. But we must choose every single day to choose. We must choose redundancy, Darren. Department of Redundancy Department. I remember that one all the time. We must choose to live in the Spirit on a daily basis. We must choose the things of the Spirit. Notice what he says here. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We must choose daily the things of God. Remember what it says in Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also do what? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I love what it says in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, every single day, there are choices that we face. Every single day. And these choices, ultimately, I'm not saying it's always between good and evil, but sometimes it can just be a difference between the flesh and the spirit. 
I mean, and let's get real. We struggle with this. I know I struggle with it. Look, there are times, I remember this growing up, and, and <clears throat> where my kids were growing up, there would be times when I would be at work at something. I might even be work on uh, a sermon or something spiritual, and my kid would come up to me and say, hey, Dad, come on, can you just come and throw the ball with me? I've got to practice for Little League. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't got time for that right now. You know, maybe later. can tell you how many times I said maybe later. Until one day I woke up and said, dude, it's later. Every day we make choices. What are the choices that we make? Do they reflect the good things that God has for us? Or do we, you know, are we more focused on ourselves? Because sometimes I would just get so concerned about myself my own timeline and everything else, that I put others' needs aside. Every day we have a choice to make. Choices. So then, we are debtors, we have an obligation. But our obligation now, our purpose, is to live according to the Spirit. To make choices that reflect the goodness of God. The character of God. And the values that God has for us. And so we see the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of a new mindset. That our mindset is focused on the Spirit. A new spiritual life. We've been given the mind of Christ to reflect His values. We've been given a new purpose. But we also have the gift of a new identity. A new identity. Notice what it says here in verses 14 through 17. For all who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. In Christ, we have been adopted into God's family. We are God's children. This is absolutely amazing and absolutely awesome. We have been adopted. You know, in Roman times, adoption was so powerful and so important. Because what you had was you had this child, this individual, who often had nowhere else to go. And yet this person would come and say, I want you to be my son or my daughter. And when a child in Roman times was adopted into the family, they had all the rights of natural born children. All the rights. They were, as far as the empire was concerned, they were no different than natural born children. No different at all. This is how God sees us. He has adopted us into his family. We are his children. This is his love for us, that he has chosen us as his children. What a wonderful joy and privilege that is to know that we have been chosen by God as his child. You know, I'm reminded of a story told by Craig Barnes. Craig Barnes was, I think he was, I don't think he still is, the pastor of National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. 
<clears throat> but I heard him speaking once, and he told this story about how his family had adopted a child. He said, when I was a child, my minister father brought home a 12-year-old boy named Roger, whose parents had died from a drug overdose. There was no one else to care for Roger, so my folks decided they'd just raise him as if he were one of their own sons. At first, it was quite difficult for Roger to adjust to his new home, an environment free of heroin-addicted adults. Every day, several times a day, in fact, I heard my parents saying to Roger, no, no, that's not how we behave in this family. No, 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 you don't have to scream or fight or hurt other people to get what you want. No, 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 Roger. We expect you to show respect in this family. And in time, Roger began to change. Now, did Roger have to make all those changes in order to become part of the family? No. He was made part of the family simply by the grace of my parents. But did he then have to do a lot of hard work because he was in the family? You bet he did. It was tough for him to change, and he had to work at it, but he was motivated by gratitude for the incredible love he had received. Do you have a lot of hard work to do now that the Spirit has adopted you into God's family? Certainly. But not in order to become a son or daughter of the Heavenly Father. No, you make those changes because you are a son or daughter. And every time you start to revert back to the old addictions to sin, the Holy Spirit will say to you, no, 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 that's not how we act in this family. You have been adopted into God's household. We are part of his family. What a tremendous gift this is that God has given us, that he would make us his children. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. Oh, I could spend all day talking about the benefits of being an heir. But we only have a little bit of time, so I won't. But suffice to say this, is the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father is one of Abba Father. That term Abba Father is an endearing term. It's a term of endearment. It, it means, it's an Aramaic term for daddy. Daddy. It connotates this close, personal relationship that our Heavenly Father is not some distant father figure out there who doesn't care for us, doesn't love us, doesn't call us on, you know, our birthday. No, he's a loving Heavenly Father who was close to us that we can call out to him and say, Abba, Daddy. That's the kind of relationship we can have with God. This is the kind of relationship that the Spirit has given us with God, our Father. And that we are now heirs, heirs of everything. Everything is for us. God has given everything to us in Christ. Isn't that great? That's awesome. If that doesn't make you smile, then we got some troubles, and I need you to come see me because we need to talk. But here's this. Are you living abundant lives? Are you living a life of abundance in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit? Because God has given us everything we need, every gift we need to live the abundant life. And so I encourage you, to grab onto that life, to invite the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit into your life.
I know that Pastor John's going to be up here. You come up and you pray with him. If you're just saying, I want that abundant spirit in my life, you come and you pray. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you so very much for how you have given us the great gift of the Holy Spirit. How you have brought renewal and restoration into our lives. And so, Father, I just ask right now that in Jesus' name, you would send the Holy Spirit to fill your church and to bless your people. That you would encourage them and lift them up, Lord. For those that are struggling, for those that are having a hard time, Lord, I just lift them up right now and pray for them. I just ask that you would send the Spirit to their lives to bring the fullness of everything the Spirit has for them. And help us, Lord, in all our ways to choose you in all things, that we may shine as lights in this world in which we live for your glory and for the sake of your people. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen.